Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. We're going to dive straight into part one, obviously, being the review part. We're going to start with a card that happened over in the DIVS, which actually says divs in uh, in Russia, this one, a little venue over there. One fight to mention, really, on the bill from last weekend, of course. Evgeny Gradovich, former world champion, he picked up a majority decision win over 12 rounds against Hugo Berrio. Um... You know what? Ever since Lee Selby beat Gradovich, he hasn't really fought anybody of note, and he hasn't really looked good by the looks of things, you know, like on paper and stuff. I haven't seen him fight, but, you know, he seems to have really just gone downhill. Uh, his record now 23-2 and two with one draw. Hugo Berrio 23-7 and seven with one draw. Uh, that one was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title and also the WBA Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. So uh, two bits of silverware there for Mr. Gradovich. That's it for Russia. Moving over now to the USA. One fight to mention over here. Yuri Gamboa, former world champion. 26-1 and one going into this fight against Robinson Castellanos who had a record of 23-12. and 12. Um... You know, Gamboa kind of still on that comeback, if you like. Since losing to Crawford, he hasn't really looked very good. You know, I don't think he's been so active. And he was upset here. A real big upset. He actually retired on his stall at the end of round seven. He was also down in round three. And I believe he was down maybe in round four as well. Um, yeah, Gamboa, really, I don't know what it is with him, but he just seems like he's finished. I think that, you know, he never really lived up to the great pro we all expected him to be, you know, following his amateur success, um, obviously being a gold medalist and all the rest of it. And he was a promising prospect as a professional. He picked up a world title. He was being linked with, you know, guys like Mikey Garcia and stuff like that. And ever since losing to Crawford, it really seems like he's done. I'm not sure if his heart's in it anymore. I didn't actually watch the fight, but people were saying he was absolutely terrible. Really, really bad performance. So, yeah, he picks up his second loss now, and it's inside the distance. So that's really bad for him. Gamboa now 26-2, and and Robinson Castellanos, wow. He's got a big, big scalp on his record there. That's it for the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Moving over now to New Zealand. This one at the Vodafone Event Center. One fight or two fights to mention on the bill, in all honesty. Um, we're going to start with the undercard. Umar Salamov moved to 19-0 with a TKO in round four over Emil Markic. Uh, Markic had an impressive record of 24-1, and so a good win this for Salamov. He also picks up two titles. They were both vacant at the start of the fight. He's now the champion of the WBO International Light Heavyweight and the IBF East and West Europe Light Heavyweight title. So uh, nice two straps there for Salamov. Um, 
Now the main event, Joseph Parker 22 and 0 taking on Razvan Kajanu 16 and 2. We know that he was drafted in on relatively late notice. Joseph Parker was expected to do a job on him. Well, you know, he won the fight. He won it unanimously across 12 rounds. Uh, the referee deducted a point to Kajanu as well. I'm not sure which round it was in, but it was basically for repeatedly pushing Joseph Parker's head down during clinches. A bit of a dirty move there, but he didn't look overly impressive from what I've heard. I didn't watch the fight again, but you know, from what I've heard, he looked really... I think it was maybe about nine rounds to three or eight rounds to four, something like that, but he really didn't look so impressive. Um, you know, so... Yeah, they were saying that really Joshua won't be worried about that fight if he does end up taking him on. And we really like Joseph Parker on this show, you know, he's very underrated. I'm not sure if his mind was off of it because he was concentrating on Huey Fury for so long and that fight fell through. I don't know what it was, but apparently he just didn't really live up to, you know, his kind of um, momentum that he's had recently. He kind of was a bit lackluster there, but he still gets the job done. That's the most important thing. And he also retains, gets another defense of his... WBO World Heavyweight title so good win there for Joseph Parker now 23-0 perfect record that's it for New Zealand moving over now to Poland one fight to mention over here prospect at cruiserweight Adam Bowski he moved to 9-0 with a KO in round 8 it was the final round as well it was only scheduled for 8 against Taras Oleksienko, I think I might be saying that a little bit wrong. His record was 8-2, and two, now 8-3, and three, so a good win there for Adam Bowski. Moving over now to the big one last weekend. It's the final bill we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to start with the undercard here. It was, of course, at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. I'm going to start with the David Lemieux fight. David Lemieux, 37-3 and three going into this fight. Marcos Reyes, 35-4 and four going into that fight. It was of course scheduled for 10 rounds at super middleweight that one actually um marcos reyes was a guy who i really thought was going to probably get banged out he was you know he was going in with a nice record 35 and 4 but we just kind of thought that he was going to be you know not much of a threat to lemieux we thought lemieux coming off that really explosive performance against curtis stevens we thought that he was going to just be a highlight real knockout win for him um you know, he did really, really well, Lemieux. You know, he won the fight convincingly over the 10. But it seemed like Marcos Reyes, you know, he had him going quite a few times. And he seemed to kind of tire a little bit, Lemieux. Marcos Reyes, I think, picked up a few of the later rounds. But yeah, I think Reyes showed a brilliant, brilliant chin. He took everything that Lemieux f- threw at him. Uh, Reyes was also deducted a point after round eight for hitting after the bell. They both kind of had a little swing at each other after the bell. Uh, the referee only taking a point from one of the fighters was a little bit strange because I think Marcos Reyes landed the first punch and then right after that, Lemieux retaliated. So I thought that a point could maybe come off of both or if anything, a point could just come off of Lemieux. But it didn't go that way. Um as I say, Lemieux gets the win. It wasn't overly impressive, but still a decent win, a decent man, a decent record in front of him as well there. And he just couldn't get him out of there. So he's shown some serious chin there, Marcos Reyes. And I'd like to see him in a big fight in the future, possibly 
you know, I don't really want to say I want him in there with Golovkin because I think Golovkin wins that fight, but it'd be good to see his chin tested against someone who can really, really bang like Golovkin. And Lemieux, again, is one of those guys that can really, really bang as well. So, um, yeah, nonetheless, good win there for Lemieux. His record now 38-3. and three. Moving up the undercard, the return of Lucas Matisse. He's been out the ring since 2015 in August, if I'm not mistaken. He came back, and he came back with a Mohican as well. That was a bit surprising, seeing him get in there. I didn't really think that he was going to be so focused on the job. I thought that maybe the hairdo, the timeout, the bit of extra weight he had on, I'm not sure if he was going to be too impressive. Boy, oh boy, he went in there against Emmanuel Taylor. We know that he can box a little bit. Been the distance with Adrian Broner and a couple of others. His record 20-4 and four going into this fight. Uh, Taylor was knocked down once in round three, and he was also knocked down in round five, and the referee waved it off when he got back up. When he got back up, the referee kind of looked at him and said, are you ready to carry on? He said, yeah, but he didn't want to look him in the eyes. So it was half, a little bit, if you look too much into it, it was a little bit of a quit, I suppose. He didn't really fancy it. You could tell by his eyes. He was hoping that the referee picked up that, and the referee did it, and the referee stopped. It was probably the right thing to do. But that's a really impressive win there for Lucas Matisse. Emmanuel Taylor had never been stopped up to this point. He's now been stopped for the first time in the five losses he's now racked up. So his record 20-5. and five. Lucas Matisse 38-4. and four. And he's just really announced himself back on the scene. He won every single round and he really put a beating on Emmanuel Taylor. It was very, very impressive from Matisse. I'm still not sure he should be at 147, but he looked brilliant. He really, really did and he is one of the most exciting fighters to watch every single fight he's in he delivers for excitement I'm not saying he's the most technically gifted fighter I'm not saying he's the most complete boxer but boy oh boy does he bring excitement I remember his fight with um, with with John Molina Jr one of the one of the best fights I've seen in years that was a great great fight and he always brings it Lucas Matisse so credit to him we want to see him back very, very soon. Hopefully he becomes a little bit more active and he is one of the most devastating and ferocious one-punch knockout artists in the sport today, pound for pound. So a great win there for him. Moving up the card as well, the final undercard fight to mention, Joseph Jojo Diaz. He picked up his 24th career win. He fought Manuel Avila. Avila had a record of 22-0, so both men were undefeated. It was for the vacant WBO, NABO featherweight title, and also the NABF featherweight title, which Joseph Diaz was the champion, so he was putting that on the line. Um, Joseph Diaz had to think about things here. This guy came in with the will. He came in, he could obviously take a shot as well. He took a bit of a beating in some parts of it. The thing about Joseph Diaz is he seemed to tire a little bit, but even when he was tired, he was still throwing wide punch variation and what I mean by that is some guys when they're tired they end up just jabbing and you know keeping the guard up and just kind of throwing the same punch over and over they don't really want to mix it up and I've got to say Joseph Diaz he does impress me every time I see him fight he shows us a little bit something new in his arsenal a little bit something he kind of uncovers a new area of his game every single time he gets in the ring and yeah he showed me that last week you know he his ability to throw various shots when his opponent's hurt he doesn't just go head hunting he comes downstairs he mixes it up you know head to body very very cleverly and I think Joseph Diaz definitely you know he's he's doing the right things he's 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 you know he's going down the route they're talking about him possibly fighting somebody like Lee Selby you know I think he's very much 
almost ready for that fight or fights like that at world level he's he's learning his craft and he's he's looking brilliant whilst doing so so a definite promising fighter there and someone who definitely will have a big future he's only very young still but no he's he's been really impressive he's doing all the right things and joseph diaz now has a record of 24 and 0 Great, great win for him there. And now the main event, Saul Canelo Alvarez. You know, it was an all-Mexican affair, Cinco de Mayo. He was 48-1 and with one draw going in. And Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., the son of a legend, 50 wins, two losses and one draw going in. Both men, 98 wins combined. Absolutely crazy. It was supposed to be an out-and-out war. We were expecting to see... You know, a little bit of a gut check from Alvarez. We were expecting to see Julio Cesar Chavez put it on him and really see what it's like for Sal Canelo Alvarez to be in a proper dogfight, you know, a proper war. We wanted to see how he'd react to that. For me, it was, you know, it didn't deliver. It was very unimpressive. I blame Julio Cesar Chavez for that. I don't think it was Canelo's fault. I thought he was on a serious, serious mission. Canelo was amazing. Canelo really looked brilliant he really really did I expected more from Julio Cesar Chavez he kind of you know in the post-fight interview he kind of said that Canelo's just he was that good you know and you know he's kind of lived in the shadow a little bit of his father Julio Cesar Chavez and he's he's always said look you know I'm my own man I I want to do things my way I want to be not just the son of a legend I want to be a legend myself and this was the fight where If he was to win, if he was to come out victorious, he had a claim to that. But, you know, he he didn't do anything. It was was really, really a, a terrible performance from him. I don't know if coming down to that weight affected him. I've got no idea. He seemed to be quite fresh at the end of the fight, which was strange. So it just seemed like he left it all in... Well, he left it. He left too much gas in the tank and didn't use it at all. So I'm not quite sure what the game plan was. You know, he tried to box rather than have a brawl and fight like he's used to. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know who to point the finger at to blame for it. But we, we've got to look at Chavez here and say he was very, very bad that night. And Canelo can't take nothing away from him. He came to fight. He was unbelievable. He just looked like. I don't know if you've ever done it, Ayers, but it reminds me of playing like like an old PlayStation game or something, like a boxing game, when you play against the computer. The first time you've ever picked up the control, and um, you know you don't really know the buttons that well, and you've accidentally put it on like really difficult level, like a really you know hard difficulty, like professional, and you're ab- the computer's absolutely beating the crap out of you, and you you know it, it was like that. That was what it was like. He was not throwing nothing back. It was like you're trying to press the wrong buttons, and y- your man's not covering up and just getting absolutely teed off on that was what it was like and you know I feel bad saying it because I quite like Chavez Jr but Canelo was unbelievable he just looked the complete complete package he really did um you know as I've said before I think he's come on leaps and bounds since losing to Mayweather he's he just looks uh, it's very hard to spot a weakness in his whole game he's strong he looks so solid he hits hard he's got you know lately he's been looking pretty fast as well his footwork's good he can take a shot he, he's got everything i can't really see anything wrong there it's going to be you know it's very very hard to pick holes in what he's doing right now he's looking unbelievable and i actually thought that 
Chavez, I thought his corner could have thrown the towel in because it was a straight up beat down. It really, really was. And I was a bit, you know, I thought maybe he might quit. I did predict that on last week's show. I, as you said, a Canelo points win. And I think because Canelo in the build-up said that Chavez quit before, once a quitter, always a quitter, I think that was in his mind. And I think that's the only reason why he didn't quit, because I think he probably did want to quit during parts of that fight. You know, he got he just got absolutely outclassed. It was horrible to see it. It was a bit difficult to watch at parts of it. And, you know, I'm not sure where he goes next, Chavez. I think possibly retirement. He's had a lot of fights now. He's done pretty well considering his... Lack of real skill, you know, he's he's had good fights at the right time and stuff like that. But Canelo, he's just on the up and up. And he's now 49-1. and one. That one loss to Mayweather and the one draw, of course. Julio Cesar Chavez, 50 wins, 3 losses and 1 draw. And as I say, Canelo, we're going to talk about him just briefly in the news part of the show. We're not going to say what happened right after the fight. You probably know already but we will talk about that in the news segment just after the interview coming up in the next minute or so but no the last word on on Cano he looked absolutely brilliant I'm not sure if I'd favor him to beat Floyd in a rematch if Floyd was to come back out of retirement right now and fight him straight away I think that's a very close fight but he has become a brilliant brilliant fighter Canelo and I just cannot see a flaw in his game at all he looks the complete package he looks like a complete nightmare to fight against and you'd have to favor him pretty much against everybody and I'm saying that knowing about the fight that is going to be made very very soon or it's been made we're going to talk about as I said in the news segment that's as close to a 50-50 as you can get in terms of the middleweight division the super middleweight division and the light middleweight division but we're going to leave that there we're going to bring in our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome a top middleweight contender and also my favorite Frenchman Mr. Hassan Endam Hassan welcome to the show yeah how are you I'm good, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Very good. Work hard for my next fight. Yeah, of course, of course. I know that you've just left the gym. So, Hassan, it's all a bit confusing for me. You were the WBA interim champion. Then Danny Jacobs lost his regular title when he when he took on Golovkin. And I thought that you would become the regular champion. But now the title is vacant and it's on the line next weekend when you fight Ryoto Morata. What what actually happened there? Is that right? What I said? Is that what, what's what's the situation? The situation is is, is right. That that you say you say the the right thing because you know Golovkin and Jacob fight for the super super champion uh, belt. So now the regular champion is me because I was interim champion and and Jacob's regular. So Jacob lost his belt and then. I forward for that. Right now, I'm gonna fight uh, Murata, who was uh, number one contender. So uh, let's do the fight because for me, I want to fight the best of the world. The best of the world now in my, in my in my division is the the winner for the fight in September 15. You know, so so that's the situation right now. So let me just understand this a little bit more. So obviously you were the interim title. So next weekend when you fight Morata, this is not a vacant title. This is your first defense of the title. Is that right? I I I think I think it's gonna be the vacant title. That they say. But uh, the WBA sent me another another belt. 
that's and that's the bird is the regular bird. So ah. I don't know. I don't I don't understand what they say, but now they're writing for the vacant titles. That don't matter. That that don't matter. I I take it like a vacant the vacant title. That's no matter. It's gonna be my seventh world title like that. I I'm gonna do. It's not. It's it's normal. It's normal for me. You know. I already do like six six world titles. That's not that's not a problem. Problem interim or regular or some. I do it. You know. I don't so, matter about about the title. So if you so if you win next weekend, then you get another belt. That's right, no? If I win this uh, this uh, next weekend, I have another belt. Right. Well, if you don't want any, Hassan, you can just send them to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know. so, so, as I said, you're you're taking on Ryoto Murata. He's unbeaten as a professional in twelve fights. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Do you know anything else about him, Hassan? I'm watching for for the last for his last fight for three last swaps, but I see I see that he have a good a good a good condition. He have a good he height. He tall. He tall. So he's very tall than me. But he have a he have a mistake. So he are too slow. He want to he want to he want to punch, but he don't punch then. Uh, Lemieux, you don't turn, you don't punch. Then um, he's not a big uh, puncher. Yeah. yeah, so you know, I I already fight big champions, big boxers. So that's no matter for me. That if you know, it's it's a regular regular boxer, than, uh, like everybody, because people th- people think about he was Olympic champion. He's a good boxer because he was Olympic champion. No, but Nobody can say nothing about that, but right, right now he's gonna fight the real boxing in professional division. It's not an amateur, you know. And, and I have good experience. I have too much experience than him, and I fight a, a, a tough boxer, Jose, Lemieux, Chocolate, and many more. Curtis Stevens, you know, and. I don't I don't care about Murata, but I respect him because he do a great job in amateur and he continue to do a great job in professional. Yeah, absolutely. Now Hassan, you fought as a professional in France, you fought in Luxembourg, you fought in Morocco, Ireland, Spain, USA, Canada. You've never fought before in Asia. You're going out to fight in Japan. Are you happy to do that? I'm happy to to do that because I'm happy to do that sport because you know I'm a long time in this business and that makes me travel a lot and see more country. I didn't see the Asian country before, so uh, yeah, that will be my first time. I'm happy. I'm excited to see how it goes there. You know. The, the Asian public and the the people there were for boxing, how they they feel, how they do, I don't know, but I know US, I know France, I know everywhere how they they like boxing, but you know uh, in the ring we're gonna be two, you know, we're gonna be two only he and me, and the best gonna win. Uh, yeah, you cool. can have all your family. In, uh, around the ring, you can have all your people around the ring, 
but only two persons in the ring, you and me. And, you know, uh, the ring is my room. And when I, I, I enter in the ring, it's like my home. I don't feel like in Japan or Asian, in Morocco or something. No, I'm in my home. That's yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. So this is your first fight this year, Hassan. Um, obviously, your last fight was over in twenty-one seconds. Um, how many how many fights are you looking at having this year? Obviously, this is going to be your first one. Are you going to be fighting once more after this, or twice more after this, or does it depend on what happens next weekend? I think uh, no. Uh, I I don't. I take the fight. One at a one time. by one, yeah, one yeah. one at a time. But I'm looking for the winner for the September 16 because I want to fight. I will know I'm terrified. I don't want to stay a long time in boxing. I want to I want to be safe for my family. I want to be safe for for me for my for for after the boxing to to my job to do what what I want to do. You know. Uh, I want I want to finish this boxing with all my my brain, all my head. So uh, that's why you know uh, I think about fight the big the best boxer now in the world, and then after after that I I, I think I have like three four more years that I want to do, but. I don't know how much, how many fights I'm gonna do, you know. So I don't plan about the fight. I plan about one at the time. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So you leaving to to go to Japan? When when are you leaving, Hassan? When are you leaving? You're in France at the moment, I suppose, yeah. Right now, I'm the France. I am France because I I moved from Miami to to France uh, since Saturday. Right now, I'm. France. I moved to France Friday, Friday 12 to Japan. So Fri- oh, you're going on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Charles Friday. de Gaulle Airport. Friday 12, Charles de Gaulle Airport. Yes, good airport that one. I've been there. I've been there yeah. before. Um, so, so I want to ask you about a couple of other fights now, Hassan. What did you make yeah. of the Golovkin and Jacobs fight? A lot of people thought that Jacobs might have won. A lot of people thought that Golovkin won the fight. How did you see it? Uh, you know, um, the most great fight in this middleweight division with two great bucks. You know, uh, it's difficult for the referee. It's a hard job right now when you have two more two big boxer like that it's like Andre Ward against um, Kovalev. Uh, Kovalev you know uh, you cannot give the the winner for the fight to somebody who who win a, li- a little bit you know uh, who have one point or a, a little bit higher than uh, the opponent for that fight I think it's draw you cannot do 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 one person lose and one person win because they they two put uh, all the career for this fight and you know uh, I talk about Kovalev and Ward but you know it's the same thing as uh, Golovkin and Jacobs because you know Jacobs do the great job and Golovkin do the great job too but he was too close to give to Golovkin or Jacobs. I think, from my opinion, 
there was right to give the draw for that fight. Yeah, I think I think not many people can disagree with that. It's obviously just been announced last weekend that Golovkin will now be fighting Canelo. You just mentioned it as well, September 16th. Who do you think is going to win that fight, Hassan? You know, um, in some Twitter for for Canelo in 2010, when I supposed to fight Golovkin, Golovkin go to to do sparring with Canelo, and Canelo say he didn't say in in Twitter he said I di- I didn't see the opening like Golovkin who punch with two hands like him he was very surprised for that guy but you know uh, Canelo have advantage too he punch with two hands and in much combination and he do combination and punch and for all combination like seven punches in the other the other time and punching for seven punch. Yeah, you don't see many boxers will do that, you know. And I think it's gonna be tough fight. I don't have the good opinion right now because uh, Golovkin go to the to 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 the best is in the best time right now and Canelo in the best time right now. You know, it's not the same thing as Mayweather and Pacquiao. Mayweather has, and Pacquiao was good before the the knockout for Pacquiao against uh, against Marcus, against yeah. uh, Marcus. You know, uh, that fight was good before that fight before that knockout. So I think now it's different than than the the Mayweather Mayweather Pacquiao. That is the same thing, but different, different time. The yes. two, they're the both, two guys. Yeah, yeah, they're both, yeah, they're both ready. They're it's both. They're both. They're both, both in ready for the, Yeah, they're both ready for that, that. For that. For that fight, you know. Yeah, it's the perfect time. It is. So, um, yeah. So, so obviously, uh, Tommy Langford took on Kurt Sidzi. We know that. Um, you know, Langford got stopped in that fight. People don't know this, but me and you, we both spoke before that fight. You sent me some advice to give to Tommy, which I did. Obviously, as we say, he, he got stopped in that fight. Kurt Sidzi is now the mandatory for Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO title. Billy Joe Saunders had to be stopped by security after the fight because he was getting a little bit too close to Kurt Zidzi. He also said a few things about you. He said he would dance around you. He called you a few names. Um, yeah, I basically wanted to ask you, Hassan, if you've got any oh, kind yeah. of response to, to Billy at all. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Billy Joe Saunders uh, uh, talk about me every time. I think he dream about me too, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it's scary, it's a fake boxer, I think, because he talk about about me. But you know, uh, Billy Joe Saunders. When I I don't want to sleep, I watch a fight for Billy Joe Saunders. You know why? Because every time he make me sleep, Billy Joe Saunders make me sleep in the boxing. So you know, uh, I think the title that he get against um, Andy Lee make him think that he has good boxer, he has champion or something like that. But why he didn't fight the good boxer since the last time that last time? Nothing. He don't he don't do nothing that since last time. He w- 
waiting for the payday. The payday for him is Golovkin. He's waiting for that. So I think uh, Carcizé gonna knock him out because he cannot he cannot fight with him. Carcizé have a good race, and if he's not waking up, he punch he knock you out. But Billy Joe Sanders is do is is sleeping in the boxing. He makes people sleep. You know. That's that thing. That all all thing I, I know for him. I don't know nothing. Nothing else. Nothing more. So so you know. Obviously, you said there. Billy Joe Saunders was was waiting for a payday against Golovkin. He wanted a big fight. He wanted the money. He hasn't really fought anybody good since Andy Lee. Obviously, you know he's had a couple of injuries and whatever. But are you saying Hassan that if you were to win next weekend, whilst we've got. Golovkin and Canelo in the biggest fight in the division. They're both going to be fighting. Is is the Billy Joe Saunders a fight that you'd want, perhaps, to unify the WBA and WBO titles? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I I asked to Billy Joe Saunders before when I before I asked him to fight me, Bef- I, and before I was not I was not a world champion. Of course, he don't want. Of course, I give him a respect about that. He was yeah, he was champion here. here. He refused to fight with me. He said he won Golovkin. Now, after this weekend, he fight for this for the next weekend. Why he don't want? Why? Why not? I want to fight him for then for for the for unification for unification WB, WBO WBA if he want. That's not that's not problem for me. Okay, and hopefully. That's a fight that can happen. It'd be, I think that's a brilliant fight, Hassan. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. I okay. think that's a really, really good fight. And the final real question for you now, Hassan. I just wanted to ask if you watched the big heavyweight clash, obviously, in Wembley the other week, Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko. How did you see that fight if you watched it? Oh, it was like, uh, you know, uh, since a long time, we didn't see the heavyweight championship, world championship like that since. Um, uh, Mike Tyson against against James Douglas, you know, uh, that was very very amazing fight. It was very amazing fight, and that make people people enjoy it. I enjoy it too, you know. It was a great fight, and you don't know who was who gonna win. Who who gonna win after the the end of the end of the fight, you know. Before the end of the fight, you know, it, it's go for 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 Joshua, and sometimes it go for for Klitschko, you know, and Joshua take a change, you know, he take a chance with the the up the right uppercut, and that fight is gonna it was was good, you know. Uh, I, I think every everybody enjoy it. I think everybody enjoy it. Yeah, it definitely was a really good fight to watch. And the final thing I'm going to ask you really, Hassan, it's not really a question, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity really to send out any kind of message to, to any UK fans or anything you want to say at all to anybody before we let you go. Yeah, you know, uh, I thank everybody, every every fan, England fan, to 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 follow me, to, to support me and to give me a... A chance to to do what I do today, before, and every time, you know. And I just want to tell them thank you and keep keep support and keep keep give me the power to to do that to do that job, you know. Only that. 
Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And I will say thank you on behalf of the UK fans as well. Okay, listen, my brother, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I wish you the very best of luck next weekend in Japan, and we'll speak again very soon. Okay, no problem, my friend. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as per usual, we're going to bring in Ayaz with this week's news just before we get into the previewing. Ayaz, bring us in with this week's news. Um, as you mentioned, Canelo's beating Chavez. After the fight, Canelo brought Golovkin out on the ring and made a huge announcement. Gennady Golovkin will defend his WBC, WBA Super, IBF and IBA middleweight title against Canelo Alvarez on September 16th. Yes, it is a fight that's been brewing for a couple of years now. We've wanted to see it. Um, We must remember that Canelo gave up his WBC middleweight title. He gave it up and, you know, obviously Golovkin ended up being elevated to the the super sort of WBC champion rather than the interim. Um, We must bear that in mind in the build-up to this fight. We really must. It's a brilliant, brilliant fight. Seeing them both in the ring after that performance there, seeing... Canelo and Golovkin close together. Golovkin, you could kind of see he was eyeing him up. You know, that is that's one of the best fights that can be made in boxing right now. You know, that's a better fight than Joshua Klitschko, you know, the other week. It is a better fight. That is a brilliant fight. It's two absolute stars, isn't it? You know, um, no, you know, both the guys have only got the one loss, which was to Mayweather. That's Canelo's loss. Golovkin's got a perfect record. He's an absolute knockout artist. I know that they've sparred before. Um, you know, you hear lots of stories about their spars. You're not too sure which one's true, which one's false. But that's a brilliant, brilliant fight. And I cannot really put into words how excited I am for that fight. And I cannot put into words how much of a great fight that is. Because it is two guys really at the top of the sport fighting each other. I'm not going to say it's as big as a Mayweather-Pacquiao. Of course it's not. But it is in the same ballpark I want to say it really is in the same ballpark um it is the best against the best and that's not something we always get to see in boxing it's very very rare but it truly is the best versus the best in this fight and I cannot wait for it oh, it's a great fight isn't it? it really really is and I've got to be honest yeah if you know they the old boxing saying you're only as good as your last fight you'd have to look at Canelo as the favourite but we know how good Golovkin is when somebody comes to fight as well he performs really well apart from that last fight I don't know if age has been a thing remember Kel Brook was getting to um, Golovkin in, you know, in their little fight the fight that well, it wasn't a little fight it was a big fight but the fight that only went a few rounds he was able to get to Golovkin I think Golovkin is troubled with speed and as we've been saying as well Canelo his speed has really been coming into it in his last few fights so I think it makes for a brilliant brilliant fight I wish I could forward the clock it's a brilliant fight I cannot wait for it uh, that's it for that piece of news Eyes. is there anything else for us? Tyson Fury is waiting to discover if he is close to a boxing return after attending a UK anti-doping hearing. Yes, it's it's kind of been kept under wraps. We know that it's been. We're not quite sure what's happened. He got busted for this drug. He got busted for that drug. We've heard about contaminated meats. We've heard about B samples and A samples, and you know, positive tests and negative tests, and it's it's all just been a bit weird. It's all kind of been kept you know, under wraps, and we're not quite sure what to believe, so we're going to have to wait to see what they say, the hearing was on Monday, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to probably hear some more, but we're not going to say anything, we're not going to speculate anything on this podcast until we see official statements, which, 
as of yet we haven't seen so yeah we're going to throw it out there about that but we're not really going to talk about it too much so we're going to leave that there but um, all the best of course to Tyson Fury we hope that the right result comes of this and we cannot wait for his return is there any more news Ayers? No that's it Okay, my friend, thank you very much for that. We're now going to move on to the preview, and we're going to start with a fight that's happening this weekend at the Double Tree Hilton Hotel in Sheffield, Yorkshire. Uh, one fight to mention on this bill, Adam Etches, his record at the moment, 20-2. and two. Coming off that loss to John Ryder, his opponent yet to be announced, but we thought we'd throw that out there. Of course, he's a friend of the show. Moving over now from Sheffield to Germany. Vincent Feigenbutz, he gets out again. His record at the moment, 25-2. and two. He takes on Andre Sirotkin, who has a record of 11-0. and oh, He's supposed to be quite a good fighter, this guy. It's for the IBF Intercontinental Super Middleweight title, so Feigenbutz being the champion there. All the very best to both guys out there in Germany. Moving over now to Mexico. Two fights to mention over here. We thought we'd mention them. Um, the WBC World Female Flyweight Champion, Jessica Chavez. He is a bit of a Chavez week this week and last week. She she puts her belt on the line against Anna Arizola. Arizola has a record of 26 and 11 with three draws, and Jessica Chavez 28 and 4 with three draws. And also on the undercard, Marco Antonio Periban, the victim of James DeGau, I remember a few moons back now. His record 25 and 3 with one draw. He takes on Avni Yildirim, who has a record of 15 and 0. Could be a little banana skin there. This one's for the vacant WBC international super middleweight title. That's it for Mexico. Moving over now to Liverpool, Merseyside, United. Kingdom. One fight to mention on a bill at the Fusion Nightclub. Big sexy Sean Turner gets out again, of course, coming off the loss in recent weeks. A shock loss for him. His opponent yet to be announced. That's it for Liverpool. Moving over now to the Barclay Card Arena, Birmingham, West Midlands, United Kingdom. A few fights to mention on this bill. We're going to mention firstly the undercard. A man that was supposed to be on the Wembley show a couple weeks back, Josh Kelly. He was supposed to be on that show. Uh, his fight ended up falling through the time scheduling and all that stuff. So he gets out on this bill. He's in a six-rounder at middleweight. His opponent's yet to be announced, but of course, Josh Kelly, the 2016 Olympian, very good fighter, definitely one to watch. His record at the moment, 1-0. and Also on the bill, Frankie Gavin, 23-3. and He takes on a man by the name of Reynold Garrido. Um, it's a man who's been in a couple of fights with people that you'd have heard of. He's been in there with Bradley Saunders. He was the guy who famously got the win over Bradley Saunders after Bradley Saunders deliberately headbutted him. He's also been in there with Jack Catterall and Robbie Davies Jr. So, yeah, decent little fight there for Frankie Gavin. He was supposed to take on Dave Ryan, but that fight fell through. But we'll be speaking to Frankie Gavin very shortly. Nonetheless, it's a 10-rounder at super lightweight, so it's at 140. So Frankie Gavin gets out a weight that many think he's probably better suited to anyway. So I'm looking forward to see that fight, of course, and all the best to our man Frankie Gavin. His record 23-3 and at the moment. Also on that bill, Sean Davis, the champion in this one. He puts his WBC International Super Bantamweight title on the line against Gamal Yafai. Both men undefeated. It's at Super Bantamweight. As I said, it's a 10-rounder there. Both men undefeated. Somebody's O's got to go. Gamal Yafai 11-0. Sean Davis 12-0. 
a fight that was supposed to happen quite a while ago. It's good to see it's finally happening now. Also on the undercard, the final fight to mention on the undercard, Seferino Rodriguez, 24-1. He takes on Sam Eggington, 20-3. We had Sam Eggington on our show last week. We spoke all about that fight. It's for the EBU welterweight title, which is... Rodriguez's title, he's the champion in this fight. Sam Eggington is the challenger. It's um it's the you know, it's the it's the Spaniards' first defence of the title as well. Sam Eggington, he just seems to keep being doubted. A lot of people write him off and he comes through these tests with flying colours, and I've got faith in him to do a job once again on Saturday night. So all the very best to Sam Eggington, a top class guy. And the main event now, Cal Yafai, twenty one and oh, making his first defence of his WBA well. Super flyweight title against Suguru Murunaka, who has a record of 25 and 2 with one draw. Kaliafai, you know, he looked absolutely brilliant when he won the title. To be honest, he's been out the ring now for for a little while. I actually thought he'd be pretty active. He kind of, you know, he has been a, an active fighter, and it seems like it's been a long time since he won that title. I remember it was at the back end of last year. Um, you know, as I say, a really impressive win at the time. The title was vacant. We've got to remember that. But this is his first offence. The guy he's in against, Maranaka, he's never been stopped. So that's one thing we've got to say. But the losses he's got, they've been to guys who haven't really been great guys. You know, he's he's got the two losses. One was very early in his career. The other one was about mid-career. But those guys have not really gone on to do anything. But, you know, in recent fights, he's been pretty impressive, I suppose. You know, he's, he's been in there with some okay guys. But, yeah, Cal Yafai definitely should win this fight. And, yeah, he's been out of the ring now for, I think, five months. I think it was December. Uh, just looking now, but no, it was a good win, and we want to see the momentum kept up. He's a very exciting fighter, Cal Yafai, so that should be a good one at top in the bill there. Moving over now from the Barclay Card Arena in Birmingham over to Frank Warren's bill at the First Direct Arena in Leeds. Top in the bill here, I'm going to start with the top of the bill. It's a man who Frank Warren signed from Eddie Hearn. It's his first fight with Frank Warren, Josh Warrington, 24-0. and He takes on former world champion Spaniard Kiko Martinez, 36-7 and with one draw. This one's for the WBC International Featherweight title. Obviously, Josh Warrington being the champion should be a decent fight. I think Josh Warrington is very promising. I actually think he's very, very good. I think him and Selby would be a really good fight, in my honest opinion. I really do. Uh, but Kiko Martinez, he's definitely seen better days now. We all know that. Scott Quigg absolutely annihilated him. Looked amazing. Carl Frampton's done the job on him twice now. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz did a job on him as well. He's really passed it now. He's been fighting in Spain against all these meaningless fights, all these meaningless opponents. And, um, yeah, he's really just there for a payday, I think. But it's a good name for his record. But Josh Warrington, I expect to probably stop him, in all honesty. Um, moving down the undercard now, Jazza Dickens fights Thomas Patrick Ward. This one's a really good fight. Jazza Dickens, 22-2. and Thomas Patrick Ward, 20-0. and So, Jazza Dickens, in those two losses, obviously against Rigondo and Kid Galahad, there's absolutely no shame in that. This one's for the British Super Bantamweight title. Jazza Dickens, obviously, a man that we're going to have to side with. We like Jazza Dickens on this show, but that's a brilliant, brilliant fight. That, that could potentially be fight of the night. Uh, Josh Lever gets out again. He's in there against Phil Sutcliffe Jr. That should be a cracking fight as well. Another little fight there. I didn't even spot that one. That's a great fight. That one's for the vacant IB. 
Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. Also on that bill, Nicola Adams, she gets out again. It's her second pro fight, her opponent yet to be announced. And she's actually, as far as I know, she's going to be the first woman in recent times to fight in three-minute rounds. So it's a four-rounder, four three-minute rounds at flyweight, that one. We wish Nicola Adams all the very best. She was impressive, but a little bit over-eager in her first fight. But she'll be more relaxed now. She knows what the pro game brings, and we wish her the very best. Also on this bill, I'm giving him a mention purely because he came out in his debut, which was his last fight. He came out to the Sopranos theme tune at York Hall. So he's definitely got to give a mention to anybody who comes out to music like that. Zach Chelly, one and no, he's in his second fight. His opponent yet to be announced. He's in a four-rounder at super middleweight. All the very best to him. And finally, the final bill to mention. We've really flown through this week's show. We've tried our best to get through it as quick as possible. This one happening over in the USA, the Eastern Michigan Convocation Center. I think I've got that right. In Michigan. Um, well, it's, it's, it's a crazy fight, to be completely honest. It's for the vacant WBF World Heavyweight title. We all know that's not a belt that's regarded as a top title. It's not a belt that's regarded as, you know, a, a genuine world title. In one corner, we've got James Tony, 76 wins, 10 losses, 3 draws. Of course, former world champion multiple times. And in the other corner, Mike Shepard, 24-20 and 20 with 2 draws. These guys really shouldn't be near a ring. Mike Shepard, 41 years old. Uh, Mike Shepard's last fight was last year in October. He lost. He actually hasn't won since 2015 on the 25th of April um, against really a guy who had a record of six wins and four losses. Whenever he stepped up, he's been beaten, especially in recent years. He's got a loss to Andre Warzik. That's the... Uh, you know, the, the heavyweight Polish guy. He lost to him. He lost to Gerald Washington, first round knockout. He lost by knockout to Antonio Tava. He's lost to Brian Minto, Shagayev, uh, Dennis Boitsov, Nikolai Furfer. He's been in there against a few good guys. Joey Abel knocked him out in one round. Um, yeah, he's been fighting since 1997. So, you know, he really needs to think about hanging it up. And that's just Mike Shepard. But even worse than that, in the other corner, James Tony, 48 years old. I mean, this is really something. Both men with a combined age of 89. Both getting in the ring here. Obviously, James Tony was, once upon a time, a fantastic fighter. He last fought in 2015. He was beaten um, by unanimous decision against a guy who was 9-3. Um, and also, he fought in prize fighter two years earlier against Jason Gavin. He lost in in the, in the semi-final to Jason Gavin. That was when he come on with all the woo stuff, you know. So he actually hasn't won a fight since the prize fight night. He fought Matt Legg in the first round and uh, he beat him. He knocked him out in, in the third round, the final round. But a proper fight, like his, his, his last actual proper win in a, in a real fight, it was over three rounds, was an eight-rounder in 2013. And he won that fight really by like two points. And it was a guy who was 12 and 7. So he's well, well, well past it. And um, I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't think the fight's on TV. But if it is, that's, that's a shame to whichever broadcaster's picked it up. I don't want to be too critical, but that is shocking. These guys are both... You know, I think they're both. I think both of them have actually got grandkids, so it's um, it's crazy that the fight's happening. Um, yeah, I can't believe both men are still fighting. It's 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 pretty incredible. But yeah, best of luck to both men. I suppose we hope that they both get out of the ring uninjured. 
uh, we wouldn't want that to happen of course and yeah hopefully they're both you know they both leave the ring healthy hopefully it's it's a decent fight i hope that neither one takes too much punishment hopefully you know it goes to some sort of decision where they barely hit each other because we don't really like to see them anywhere near a ring. But that really wraps up the preview and we've done the review and we've done the news. We've done the preview and we did the first interview. Before we wrap up the show, there's one last thing to do to end part two and that, of course, is to bring in guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former British and Commonwealth welterweight champion, Mr. Frankie Gavin. Frankie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure, my friend. So, Frankie, you fight this Saturday on Cow at Yafai's undercard in your hometown of Birmingham. Obviously, you were originally yeah. set to face Dave Ryan. As far as I know, he's pulled out. You've uh, you've got a replacement opponent. Do you know the reason behind him pulling out at all, Frankie? Uh, I heard he's got a great job. He's earning a lot of money. So it made sense him not to get worried about training. He's retired, I think. He's working, he's working with uh, some sort of racing. I think he's motorbike racing doing the nutrition for the team. It's had a, a lot of money. Okay. Strange one. I haven't heard that one. But, um, okay, we'll leave that one there. Instead, you're taking on a guy by the name of Reynold Garrido. Um, obviously, you know, he's got a few names on his record. He's got a win over Bradley Saunders. He lost to Seferino Rodriguez, who Sam Eggington's fighting on the same night. He also has got yeah. a loss to, uh, you know, two of our unbeaten prospects, Jack Catterall and Robbie Davies Jr. He had Davies Jr. down yeah. in their fight as well. Do you know much about him aside from that, Frankie, at all? Yeah, just what you just said, really. Just don't know that, really. We know he comes. We know his game. We know he's not technically great, so... And Frankie, is this, do you feel, in, at this part, you know, this stage of your career, do you feel that this is a must-win fight for yourself now? Yeah, I think they were almost win fights, mate. But yeah, this is definitely one. Yeah, lose to the Velocity Saturday is gonna be a real long road back. Yeah, and this one's down at one forty, if I'm not mistaken. No, mate, he's at one four five. When he's for the title, but then he's not for the title. He's just at one four seven still. Oh, okay, okay. Um, obviously, as you said there, it's a must-win fight. You want to be able to beat guys like this, and no disrespect to him, we won't overlook him, but what do you feel would be next for you, Frankie? If you were to get a win over this guy here, would you try, I don't know, would you try for the British or something again? What would you be going for? Uh, anything, I don't mind, really. Beat the people I've ranked above me. Get some titles in. Okay, and I want to ask you about Kel Brook against Spence. I know that you're big on Brook, obviously. You've been in there with him. You've been in there with, yeah. uh, you know, we've been in there with Bundu. We know how tough Bundu is, and the job that Spence done on him was definitely impressive. We can't forget that. How yeah. do you see that fight playing out, Frankie? When he first got announced, I was thinking, Brook comfortably. After seeing them at the press conference, just to, just like Spence in his own, in his element, and it's meant to be that he's world champion. It seems like he's getting under Brooks' skin a bit. But then, like, again, looking at Brooks the other day, in the shape he's in already. Okay, in his clothes, he's only six pounds over like three weeks ago. Brilliant. Yeah, that was a worry, I think. I was I was a little bit worried that, you know, taking all that weight off again, especially yeah. coming off of the, uh, you know, the Golovkin fight where he bulked Golovkin up a bit. Fight, yeah. yeah, I didn't think that would be a good move, but it is encouraging seeing that. Um, I want to ask you also about Sam Eggington against Paulie Malinaji. We haven't spoke since then. That was a great win for him, obviously. We had Sam on last week's show. Um, I was going to ask you if that's a rematch you'd like down the line. Obviously, um, I'm not sure where your sights are, if they're at 140 or 147. 
relevant uh, in the long term. Um, yeah, so two questions in one, really. What did you think about the you know the win he had over Malinaji? Yeah, was I that thought match you'd like the performance was fantastic. I thought he even outboxed him from the beginning. And weren't like I was like a thought he was going to lose a few rounds, and then he was going to get to him. But just outboxed him from the beginning. But uh, me and Sam won't be up. I mean, no, I'm at the same gym. As, I'm in the same gym as Sam now. Got the same coaches, so I won't be up then. Good stuff, good stuff. Both top guys. And also, I wanted to get your reaction to Joshua vs. Klitschko. I know we spoke a little bit over WhatsApp about it, but uh, obviously a huge event. It didn't really go the way many people thought it would go. It was ups and downs. What did you make of it? It's a fantastic fight for heavyweight boxing. It's really exciting at the moment, heavyweight boxing. After a few years of it being like not, not so exciting. And Joshua is the big the man behind it all, to be fair. He always obviously got a big part in that. I think heavyweight boxing could get back to where it was. Yeah, we certainly hope so. And finally, the final question, Frankie. We've kind of, you know, we've kind of flown through this as quick as possible. I wanted to ask you, how is your gym getting along? Last time we spoke to you, I think you'd done some sort of charity event. It was all going pretty well. Um, I just wanted to basically ask how it's all how it's all going. My gym's going fantastic. Uh, the amateur set was a bit like harder to settle than I thought, but. I'm doing the first to be affiliated. We've uh, we moved premises now to a gym twice as big, so which is a lot better for us, a lot more encouraging. A lot more people can come in, there's a lot more room. So I expect big things in the next couple of years from the gym. Yeah, quality stuff, my friend. Okay, listen, Frankie, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks a lot for giving us and some you, mate, time. Thank you. And we'll catch up after your fight, no doubt. Yeah, we'll catch up on the PS4 soon. Take it. <laughs> See you soon, mate. Frankie Gavin there. Let me just assure the listeners not to listen to Frankie Gavin saying we'll catch up on PlayStation 4. I can assure you he wants none of me on FIFA. That is the truth. I'm being real. But yeah, this just about wraps up show 82. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. I apologise on Ayaz's behalf for his mic echoing. That is a problem that we've acknowledged. Uh, We'll have to fix that by next week's show, of course. So apologies for that. A big shout out to our two guests for this week, Hassan and Dam and Frankie Gavin. Please remember to keep updated with our shows. The simplest way to do that is to subscribe to us on the podcast app on your iPhone. Every iPhone has got it. It's, of course, free, and it notifies you each time a new episode is released. Other than that, it's SoundCloud, it's YouTube, various other sites. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this weekly boxing freebie. I wish you all a great great weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you next week.